Welcome back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Steven. And Kyle. And we're here to force you through another work week. Thanks for hanging out with us. That being said, I got a really interesting poltergeist case, I guess you could call it, that I started looking into. I just heard about this week. It's strange. We haven't done really many on that subject. No, it, uh, it, it goes off the rails after a while. That's but what I like to hear. Anyway, we'll get to that in a little bit. First, we got to get through the business. Some super special business we're going to talk about right off the rip. This should come out in what two Mondays from now. So be sure if you're in the area to come and hang out with us this weekend, July 14th through the 16th. In the, at the KCI Expo Center in Kansas City, Missouri at Metacon. We will be there and have a booth selling some hollow merch. Uh, it is a loaded event. They have celebrity guests, Travis Walton from Fire in the Sky, Andrea Perron from The Conjuring, John Zaffis, the Haunted Collector, uh, the brothers from Ghost Lab, Katie Stafford from Ghosts of Devil's Perch, Stephanie Barton, a psychic medium will be there. Over 100 vendors, 18 guest speakers. There's going to be 10-plus on-hand workshops, hands-on workshops. Maybe they're going to teach us to give henna tattoos. I hope so. Because, I mean, they do say hands-on workshops, and I see henna there. So Yeah. Should be. Are we going to learn? Are we going to be? Is that our next side project is to become tattooers? Yeah, I'm getting a henna throat tat. Dope. There's also psychics, energy healers, paranormal investigators, Sasquatch specialists, extraterrestrial enthusiasts, aura reading, henna, retail booths, astrology, crystals, so much more. $15 a ticket for one day or $40 for all three. Again, that's Metacon July 14th through 16th, 2023 at the KCI Expo Center, Kansas City, Missouri. Hollow Cult Unite. We also have... A little more information, a little something else in, in, in the works. It is the ultimate podcast conference, 40 and airwaves, full weekend event, October 6th, 7th, and 8th at the inn at ONU in Ada, Ohio. Loaded show. It will be Hollow Sky Podcast, Kill the Mark- Mockingbirds. Appalachian Intelligence, Cryptids of the Corn, and Uncomfortable. Friday, we will have kind of a casual meet and greet hangout. Saturday, there will be podcast panels and merch sales and all sorts of good stuff. And Sunday, there is a special pancake breakfast with all of the pods mentioned. Full weekend event, $50 ticket price. There will be a cash bar. Uh, There's special room rates available. Check out the socials. The links will all be there. It should be an awesome time. Do not miss it. Remember, uh, hurry up and jump on that stuff because it's it's limited tickets. So I believe there's 200 spots available. So if you're interested in going, do not hesitate. That's right. So you might want to jump on it if if you are considering it. Uh, That way you can get a spot. You know, because they might be able to finagle it around and get some more, but I'm not sure how much more. You'd rather just buy it early yeah, and secure your spot, secure your room, as opposed to waiting and then there not be any spots left. And then you just wish you could have went. And we are definitely going to be bringing the merch game. We're trying to figure out a bunch of shit to bring. So come and get some cool stuff. That's right. That's right. And the podcast lineup is dope. We fuck with every one of those podcasts, right. so it, it's going to be a cool get together. A lot of good, a lot of good names there. A lot of cool people to hang out with. Um, check us out on our social medias. I won't go through that spiel. If you have a paranormal experience you'd like to share, Kyle has some info for you. Yeah, you can call or text the holophone, which is one six one eight five five six zero eight three seven. You can just text it call whenever you want really uh you can just text it and say hi what's up you can write your story out record yourself like a voice memo app or your your video or whatever you want to do shoot it over the email which is going to be hollow sky podcast at gmail.com 
Uh, like I said in the previous episode, we are going to start trying to work interviews in because we think it's it's important and we want to start really going down that road. Uh, and, and that'll be interviews with experiences, people who are well-versed in topics, all of it. So we want to hear it all. We want to experience it all. So just, just bring the weird for us. You can also send stuff to our P.O. Box, which is going to be P.O. Box 145, Field in Illinois, 62031. All that information is in the show notes. Send us some weird shit. Make our day. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Be there or be square. Uh, We have a bunch of different things you can do if you want to support the show. We got a... Store up on our website. Go check that out. Uh, we're getting ready to stock that back full of merch after the con. Um, we have a Patreon. You know how Patreon works. If you want some extra content, head over there. You can get a bunch of cool stuff for as low as a dollar. So check it out. We have a Venmo. If you'd like to throw some pocket change into our addiction fund, you can do that. Uh, best thing you can do, share the show word of mouth. Share it on social media. Again, just get... The word of the hollow cult out there, the more ears we fall on, the better it is for everybody. Go to wherever you listen to podcasts, your favorite podcatcher. Leave us a five-star rating and review, and I will shout you out if I find it. That being said, our five-star review rating and review of the day comes to us from our friend Miranda W., Miranda says, one of the best pods, five stars. My sister is an avid listener and finally got me to listen to the Time Traveler episode. I've been hooked ever since. Stay weird. Well, Miranda, and Miranda's sister, thank you for the kind words and sharing the Holocaust. What better way to build family bonds than sharing the Holocaust? Bringing the family together. As as just as as a cult should be, you know. That's what I mean. That's what as I mean. A cult should be. So thanks again, Miranda, and your sister for being dope. Our listener experience of the day comes to us from our friend Alex. Alex says, "I had a UFO sighting three or four years ago. I was in my garden at around six p.m. It was early spring, so it was still light out, with probably one hour of light left." I was just looking out at the sky and I saw two objects traveling to my northwest away from me. They weren't going at a breakneck speed, more of a steady pace with one in front of the other. If you hold your arm out at 11 o'clock with a two-inch screw between your thumb and forefinger, that's the kind of distance they were apart. I'm typing this in my garage, hence the reference. So I watched them flying away from me for almost 25 seconds before they disappeared. Both objects were identical. Imagine the shape of an almond. Almost like the craft from Flight of the Navigator. I can't quite remember the color, but they definitely weren't metallic or chrome. More of an earthy brown red, if that makes sense. They also didn't once deviate the distance from each other, or or seem to change speed. Do you know what it is to tow a vehicle with a hard bar? It was like that. They were exactly that far away from each other the whole time. They just kept that steady pace until the first one vanished. Not a blink... And it's gone, vanished, but more like it went into a tunnel that wasn't there. Front end gone, middle section gone, tail end gone. Count two seconds, and the same with the second craft. It's like they both flew behind a cloaking screen. That's when I kind of snapped out of just watching and started to realize that what I saw wasn't normal. Also, at the distance they were away from me, I should have heard engine noises, even faintly in the distance, but I heard nothing. It was only after I realized what I'd seen did I realize the whole time I'd been watching this that I hadn't heard anything. No traffic, no birds, nothing at all. And that was it. I've spent since then wondering what it was. If you have any questions about this, let them let me know. I feel like I've gone on and on and actually said a lot. Your friend Alex. Alex, thanks so much for taking the time to send in your experience. Uh, yeah, a lot to kind of look into here. The almond object is a is is one of the more classic UFO shapes. Yeah. It it is interesting that there were two and that they pretty much the second pretty much one mimicked the first one. The colors are weird. 
Yeah. I don't think I've heard that that description before. No, usually it's like, like Alex said, it's chrome or it's metallic. Yeah, it has a metallic feature to it. That is interesting. The earthy tones is is definitely mm-hmm. peculiar. Uh, the the how they disappeared is fucking bizarre. Yeah, that was when when they said a cloaking screen. I'm like, man, that. Dude, you know what it makes me feel like? It makes me feel like they like returned to the mothership. Yeah, or, Gross. Flying, or flying through a portal. Or yeah, thought flying through a portal. That's a good one. Yeah, because that that would actually make you wonder what it would look like from a different angle too, if that was the case. Yeah. Oh, imagine being either way. Like if you were behind their flight path, imagine what that would look like. Oh yeah, they just yeah, that's so weird. Because so in which case, you know, furthermore, that might actually have made it appeared like a blink disappearance if he was behind it if he couldn't yeah. like if there was no physical portal in front of them or like a, a mothership type scenario they would just just they would just out. flicker out yep that's <clears throat> weird man yeah good this, submission that was good good uh description yeah as well. for sure for not I know a lot of these people don't get a chance to get photographic evidence. So when you send these in, the more you can, the more detail you put into it, the better it is to, to help us kind of put the experience into our own mind. For sure. Paint that picture for us. Yeah, that was dope. Hell yeah. So thank you, Alex, for the submission. Uh, the, the not hearing anything is strange. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's weird. Not just that the that the crafts didn't make any noise, but also that nothing was making any noise. Very. Where does he live? Do you say where he lived? Four one one ish. By chance. I don't believe that they added that in no. here. No. Just curious. Yeah. Well, uh, Alex, if you hear this, and you want to let us know what part of the country this is, if this is in our country, shoot us another yeah. uh, message here. I only ask because. Of the color of the craft and the earthy tones. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Like if it was kind of like a <clears throat> camouflage or something to that effect. Yeah. Because there's always, there's always been a lot of reports about UFOs flying into mountains and shit. Yeah. So it made me wonder if he was out west in Arizona-type landscape. You know, and like To kind of blend in, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. All right. So from there... We're going to jump into my episode that I've been researching today. Um, it's You're going to have to bear with me here because it's probably one of the oldest cases that I've researched happening over 130 years ago. Nice. And a lot of it I got from old newspaper articles. So I'll be pulling them up and reading them as I go as opposed to what I've written. So just bear with me here. The information, as you know... From 130 years ago, it it waxes and wanes as to what is what really happened, what was embellished, but it's it's strange. So it definitely has some interesting twists and turns that seem to kind of tie in with cases we have dealt with recently. Interesting. But we'll get to that later, and I think you know what'll be what I'm talking about when we get to it. Interesting. So this Case took place in Ottawa Valley near Shawville, Quebec, Canada in 1889. The activity centered around the Dag family. This is called the Dag, the Dag Poltergeist as well, or the Dag Demon. Uh, the activity centered around the Dag family and their home. The family consisted of George, his wife Susan, a daughter named Eliza that's four years old, a daughter named Mary, three years old, their son John, who is two, and their 11-year-old adopted Scottish child named Dinah Burden McLean. She was born in Glasgow, England uh, in 1876, but like many orphans from the UK at that time, she was brought to Canada, and these children's, children were often placed in farm homes where they can help around doing farm chores and stuff. The weirdness that they encountered would last for over three months until the activity would cease in an even stranger way than it began, essentially. The odd occurrences began on September 15, 1889, when two banknotes mysteriously disappeared from the home. George had handed Susan a $5 bill and a $2 bill and had him place them in a drawer where they kept their money so it wouldn't get misplaced, which Susan did. Later in the day, a live-in farmhand named Dean went to George and handed him the $5 bill and said he found it next to the stove. 
Of course, George immediately began to accuse Dean of stealing the money, which seemed to be confirmed when they later found the $2 bill in the bed sheets of Dean's bed. Dean professed his innocence, so he was eventually kind of dismissed as the culprit, but this just kind of escalated the odd occurrences. Things would be moved around the farm from one room to another, and one odd occurrence, a spinning wheel had been completely dismantled, and each piece of it was placed in a different room of the farmhouse. They had a harmonica that the kids liked to play that would play by itself on multiple occasions. Animal feces would be smashed and smeared throughout the house. George again painted his finger, pointed his finger at Dean, so people started keeping a pretty good eye out on him. And as he was being watched, the weirdness continued. So that kind of eliminated farmhand Dean as the culprit. A sizable wash basin basin was seen repeatedly thrown around the farm from invisible hands. It was just getting tossed about. Nice. Um, a rocking chair would rock vigorously without anyone being around it. Milk containers would be drained and butter crocks would be emptied. No matter where the Dag family would put them or lock them up, the result was always the same. They would lock them in a cabinet and they'd come back and they would be empty. They'd lock them in a dresser drawer. They'd come back and they would be empty. Would they just be empty or were like the contents poured out inside there or? It wasn't specified. They just said emptied. So it makes it sound like there'd be literally nothing in them. Like consumed is what makes me feel. Yeah, absolutely. Another weird thing was at one point, the young children's hair were cut. The parents left the room, came back in and something had cut the, the younger kids hair as they were gone. That's fucking weird. At one point, every window in the home began to get smashed from stones being thrown through them from the outside. George's father, John Dagg, posted up outside to try to catch the vandal. To John's dismay, as he sat there, he continued to watch the windows break, being th- like with the rocks being thrown from people that aren't there. The windows are just smashing out as they're sitting there. You think, you think in that case it would be... If, let's just pretend for a second that it's it's a ghost. You think it would be one ghost or multiple of? Um, I don't know. Because was he seeing like? Did he actually see the rocks like fucking flying? In one report, I read that he did. In another report, I read that the the windows at that point were just breaking. So, because overall, right out of the gate here, I feel like a trickster. Like there's a trickster element here. Yeah. Yeah. Or it almost, it starts out as almost like a demonic oppression trying to make the family feel like they're losing their mind, the food disappearing and the, the notes being moved from one place to another, the harmonica. Yeah. But I I could, I could still see that being trickster. Yeah. yeah, I think they fall in the same. Yeah. 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 yeah, For sure. For sure. Because yeah, the oppression Wants to make you think you're losing your mind. Yeah, and the trickster is like, ha-ha, you little shit. Yeah. But either either way, yeah, I I, I, I completely agree with both assessments there. The the Either the oppression or the trickster element. Uh, I could only imagine what it would be like to sit down and experience that type of shit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just watching your windows break for no reason. Yeah, that's that's a little extreme. And yeah. The cutting of the kid's hair is weird. That one, yeah. It's gross. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as he's sitting there watching the windows being broke, like I said, I had one one news report said that he was watching the stones go through the window, and the other one just said that the glass was breaking. Uh, Susan came outside, and she said, quote, Father, you may as well come in. The glass is still breaking. 11-year-old Dinah seemed to be the focal point of the haunting, as it would increase in intensity when she was around. At one point the entity actually started multiple fires in the home while she was there. According to a signed witness statement, at least eight fires had started in one day. The curtains in the family room lit ablaze. Then Susan's bed caught fire. At that point, the pyrogeist moved outside, setting multiple fires in the yard, right in front of onlookers. These spontaneous combustions were starting up outside. It reminds me of your last story, the Odin 
Firestarter, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, it's it's weird how much of that it happens, but it's kind of overlooked in the paranormal world. Like it's very rarely touched on that. That's such. Uh, it, it's almost commonplace. Like the, the fire starting thing. Yeah, almost commonplace. And well, it almost makes you wonder with your your Odin one if there was more of this type of miscellaneous shit going on that got overlooked. The oh, yeah. the hiding of of stuff. The you know what I mean. Yeah, if it like, could be a similar entity. Like if yeah, like like overall, if they had just completely overlooked any of this other shit because the fire starting was so so prominent. Yeah, yeah. that would that would take precedence over. Missing a little bit of money is my yeah, house catching on fire. Exactly, exactly. Uh, all where are we at here? All of the fires were quickly put out, but they had no explanation as to how the fires would start. It was so connected to Dinah that the weirdness would stop when she would leave, and it would start when she would come back. That's weird. Yeah she she immediately kind of became like. Like they thought maybe she was trying to pull it off, but like was, was the reasoning behind it. But she was so closely watched after that point, nothing was discovered that she could prove that she was behind any of the activity. Like you got to be a pretty slick 11 year old to start fires around multiple fires around your house with no one noticing. Yeah. And odds are being 11, I wouldn't imagine you're dabbling too much in witchcraft or things of that nature. Without at least without some type of outside influence, you wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't think so. No, you know? no, no. Because I was going to ask. That's what I was going to ask was what her age was, um, to possibly rule that out or bring that into the conversation. But I don't feel like that that would be likely, unless there is some type of outside influence there. Yeah, and like grandma, you know, casting spells and shit like that. I, other than that, I don't. It sound it, from this point. It sounds like an attachment of some type. Yeah, kind of some type, some kind. Ugh. That's what I was leaning toward too. Um, the fact that it was so uh, so attached to Dinah also kind of put itself to the forefront because she was the first person to see this being manifest itself. Oh, this is a direct quote from the newspaper, the Philadelphia Inquirer, on January thirteenth, eighteen ninety. Keep in mind here, this is 130 years old, so the wording is interesting. And I quote, shortly after this, which they're referring to the glass breaking incident, old Mrs. Dagg, who had moved into the house with her husband, that would be uh, George's mom and dad, so they're Dinah's grandparents essentially, uh, after the beginning of these extraordinary occurrences, was tidying up one of the bedrooms one day when the little girl Dinah screamed out, Oh, grandmother, see the big black thing pulling off the bedclothes? The lady, uh, the old lady returned and couldn't see nothing except the, the bedclothes being raised up as though someone had caught them in the middle and was lifting them up. Oh, that gives me cold chills. Yeah, so an, un, an unseen entity is pulling this off. Oh, my gosh. Where is it, Dinah? She asked. Why don't you see? She goes, why? Don't you see him? He's jumping over the bedstead, Dinah replied. The old woman picked up a whipstock and told Dinah to strike him. Dinah was afraid, but the old lady got behind her and admonished her to have no fear, but to strike lustfully. Lustily, Dinah plucked up her heart, or plucked up heart, and struck at the monster that was only visible to her eye. While she was administering the blows, a neighbor named Smart came into the room, and he also encouraged Dinah to lay on the whip, having been apprised of what the extraordinary exhibition meant. So, I'm floored right now. Yeah, they're telling her to beat this thing's ass. I mean, that's kind of awesome, <laughs> but a couple things here. A, did it actually make contact? <laughs> I don't know. Like, because I was waiting for you to be like, and they like they visually saw whatever it was stop, like it was making contact with an object. And I was that was gonna blow my mind. But furthermore, like assess the mental state of these people for a second. Like, there's a girl saying there is this big dark entity pulling the covers off the bed. The grandma sees the covers coming off the bed and she is like, beat that thing's ass. Yeah. Whoop that ass, kid. Here, here's a weapon. You start beating that. Yeah. You beat that son if of a bitch now. you can see now. it, get it. 
There needs to be more. And then, and then the neighbor comes over and is like, "Hell yeah, whoop that ass!" Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, it just kind of makes me feel like they've dealt with this shit before. And what you do is you whip its ass. Because <laughs> I mean, who does that, right? Like, apparently, old, old grandma Dag here, <laughs> she's a bad bitch. Yeah, like it's. Uh, I don't know. Like, it's just kind of, I mean, it's awesome. It's, it's great. Yeah. Strut, There's no fear at all. Just beat that thing's ass. Yeah. It doesn't say. Because you I know, wonder, at that point, like, grandma knows that the girl's not lying because the sheets are literally coming off the bed. Yeah. And I guess grandma's like, well, if you're the only one that can see it, you're going to have to be the one swinging. Yeah. Because if I could see it, I'd be beating its ass right now. And it's almost like that they were encouraging her to, to, release that fear that she was so terrified. Yeah. You know? And then really weird. It's <laughs> like the whole, the whole painting of that picture is just bizarre to me because like I said, like most people would be afraid. Most people would run. You'd grab your daughter or your granddaughter and get the fuck out of there. And not, not these people. These people are, are like beat its ass. Get the fuck out of our house. You don't come here and do that shit. You know, I just made this bed fool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the more I think about it, like I wrote it and I'm like, all right, that's kind of cool. You know, the grand, the grandmother's like, you know, face your fears, face yeah, your fears. Beat you know? that ass. And now I'm sitting here thinking about it in my head. I'm like, oh, well, yeah. It's really, I don't know, man. Like it just, I, it makes me feel like they're, it's, it's, it's a, an illusion to more. Like they, they, they're looting. That's what we need to do when we have shit being fucked up. Just run over there and start swinging. Yeah. Some people use the name use the name of Jesus. Some people use a whip stock. Use these hands. Yeah, some people get these <laughs> use these hands. Um, all right. Uh, strangely <laughs> enough, the being only showed itself to the children, Eliza, Mary, John, and Dinah. The entity took on many forms. One being a large black dog. Gross. The next being a man with a cow's head, horns, and hooves. Oh, okay. Well, that changes the game a little bit. <laughs> Because that's straight up Baphomet. Yeah. Oh, and it gets it gets all right. So real. now now we're leaning more toward the whole demonic thing. Yep. Every time it would make itself visible to the children, and she would, beat that ass. It would remain completely unseen by the adults. This prompted the Dag family to consult a witch. Oh, that sounds intelligent. This would be the witch of Plum Hollow. Which has her own story that I have, did not get into here. Oh, good. I'm excited to hear that. But this is a another news article from the Philadelphia, uh, another little section here from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, it says, The Dag family consulted with the Witch of Plum Hollow. This old woman has long been credited with supernatural powers and is known far and near as the Witch of Plum Hollow. She was consulted by Dag, and after a long seance, she declared that his troubles were caused by the black art practices of a neighboring woman, a widow, and her two children. The object of their incantations was Dinah McLean. The only neighboring widow with two children was a Miss Wallace. But there was no known reason as to why either she or her children should harbor ill will against the little Scottish immigrant girl. Miss Wallace, Wallace, shame on you. Mrs. Wallace was spoken to and declared that she knew nothing about it and came over to the house to show that she was possessed of she possessed of no grudge against the Dags or anyone in their household. So they're really like it's getting to the point to where they're reaching out, right? Trying well, my question, their hands. My question would be she no, the witch doesn't name her, does she? Doesn't name Miss Wallace. She just describes Miss Wallace. Uh the black art practices of a neighboring woman, a widow, and her two children. So they said the only one that was widowed with two children was Miss Wallace. She doesn't name drop Wallace. Right, she just, right, 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 yeah. right, right. Yeah. Either way, kind of specific description. I'm throw that out there. Unless, unless this witch is familiar with the residents of the area, which I'm gonna assume she's probably not. I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like that. Maybe, but I, mean, I could be wrong. But if she's not familiar with the residents of that area, that's a rather peculiar description. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it. 
and as I was looking into the Witch of Plum Hollow, like she was very well respected from people around her. Like, so she, she was she's more of like a white witch. Yeah, she would right on. She would do seances that would um, kind of predict the future for people. And so let she them ain't, know. she ain't trying to like cause bullshit. No, she's trying to be a solution to the problem. Right, right, right. Like, so there would be no reason for her to lie and make some of this shit up right. at that point. Right. Especially with the the recommendations of everybody else around her, like, hey, she's legit, she's good. Yeah. You know, she's yeah. not some skis bag. No. She's the witch of Plum Hollow. Right. That Hey Hollow Colt, the weather's getting nice, and you know what that means? It's cryptid hunting season. And the first rule to cryptid hunting is good footwear. That's why we're excited to announce our partnership with Tacovis Boots. When you're out hunting the dogman or stalking Chupacabra, you don't have time to break in boots. That's why Tacovis is so nice. They have first wear comfort. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with their styles when you're out hunting cryptids. And let me tell you, their styles are on point. I've always considered getting me a pair of snakeskin boots, and their pair is mint. They also have... Crocodile boots, caiman boots, ostrich boots, regular leather boots. They they have it all, and it's re- it's ridiculously awesome. You can even stop by their the local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events. There's no in-store experience like it. So just imagine yourself getting a pair of legitimate snakeskin Hollow Sky branded boots. How awesome would that be? Nothing is going to intimidate a dog man like a nice pair of gator skin boots. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. The haunting would eventually catch the attention of a man named Percy Woodcock. Either the most unfortunate name or the raddest name at the scene. I was going to say, he's got a very (laughs) peculiar name. Percy was described as an artist, a journalist, a student of psychology, psychology, and a paranormal investigator. Hearing about the odd occurrences, he made his way to the Dag home to try to figure out an explanation behind the strange events. Upon arriving he quickly discovered that the creature would speak at least when Dinah was present. As Dinah was being introduced to Percy, he asked her if she had seen anything peculiar recently in which she said yes, she had. Just a few minutes before his arrival in the back of the home by the well, Percy had Dinah take him around to the back where she proceeded to yell, Are you here, mister? And to Percy's astonishment in a gruff, deep voice of an old man, came a reply from nowhere, but seemingly feeling like only four or five feet from where Percy was standing. It was in a language that he did not know. Nope. After hearing this, Percy demanded to know who the entity was, in which the entity replied, I am the devil. I'll have you in my clutches. Get out of this or I will break your neck. Holy shit. Along with other vulgar responses. Percy stood his ground and told the entity that it may frighten the children and other adults here, but not him, and that it should be ashamed of itself for using such vile language. 
in which the creature responded with further obscene insults. I fucking love it. Percy don't play. <laughs> Mr. Woodcock coming in hot. Swinging that thing. I love it. I love it. He's just like, you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah. You How? talking like that in front of these children? <laughs> oh, my Lord. How dare you? I love it, man. Because we all know, like, people back in the day, like, they they walked with a different stride than Swagger. we do. <laughs> yeah. They fight. Swagger's a good word. They fight demons with sticks. Dude, I just love the, I just, I just picture this dude in there, and he's like, are you here? And it, it, like, old school Latin comes out, and he's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> You know, and then it's like, I am the devil, and I'll break your neck. And he's like, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> Let's get it. Using that vile language in front of these children. It, Percy don't play. <laughs> okay, so from here, I've got a pretty good size excerpt from uh, the newspaper that I'm going to read. Because trying to rewrite it out just seemed like a big deal. Furthermore. So, for all you critics out there, you can tell when we're not dead tired. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. So, from this point on, Percy spends the next five hours in a conversation with his disembodied voice. What the fuck? He, so, he's ultra dedicated at this oh, point. Oh, yeah. He's going hard in the paint. Yep. And I'm just going to read this as verbatim from the newspaper. Talk. So, also, real quick. Percy straight up called him on his bullshit then. Yeah. Because the devil's like, I'm going to break your neck. And Percy's like, no, we're about to talk. Get a Dr. Phil in this motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. He says, That's you're going to awesome. have to break my neck to That's get awesome. out of this conversation. He called his bluff and yeah. just went, went to town. That's awesome. Talking. Okay. This is from the newspaper. Talking for five hours. A conversation then ensued between Mr. Woodcock, the voice, and Mr. George Dagg, who afterwards joined them, lasting for five hours without a break. Mr. Woodcock took the position that he had to deal with an invisible personality as is real, though, there in the flesh, and on this basis endeavored to shame him into better behavior and to top, stop persecuting the dags who had admittedly done him, the voice, no harm. On the other hand, the voice resisted for a long time, but finally seemed to yield to the expositions of Mr. Woodcock and Mr. Dag and agreed to to cease the use of obscene language and finally admitted that it had been uh, actuated solely by the spirit of mischief and having fun, as it termed it, and had no ill will against anybody except Woodcock and the little girl Dinah, to whom he seemed to have decided uh, antipathy. He asked to be forgiven by Mr. Dag, Mrs. Dag, uh, Mr. Arthur Smart, and the others for whom he had said bad things. To satisfy himself that there was no collusion on the part of any person who might be practicing ventriloquism or some other art, Mr. Woodcock made a thorough investigation of the premises and found that it was utterly impossible that there could be anything uh, of that kind. He carefully watched Dinah, who was the only one present with him at the opening of the conversation, and was perfectly satisfied that the voice did not emanate from her. And further, the voice was very gruff and coarse, entirely different from hers, which was delicate and very effeminate. To make assurance doubly sure, he asked Dinah to fill her mouth with water, which she did, and the conversation continued as the same as before. So, that was another point I was going to make, that people thought Dinah was a master ventriloquist. Oh, at well. 11. Yes. Okay. So, Percy's like, we're going to just eliminate this right now. Yeah. Good idea. Uh, process of elimination there. I I love the fact that I nailed that on the head, and he straight up doctor filled that entity. Yeah. Uh, carrying on here, it says uh, the next paragraph is a lively lead pencil. The shed in which the conversations began was a bare open building with no floor nor any place to which it was plausible that any person could have been concealed to make the voice. The house is a log one, not plastered, no closets, and only ordinary board partitions dividing into three bedroom or three rooms used for a kitchen and two bedrooms. The family having the family having tolding, told wow, Mr. Woodcock of writings having been found about the house, he asked the voice to be kind enough to write something that might he might be able to show his friends. 
This took place in the morning while in the shed. At first, the voice refused to do so, but after a good deal of coaxing, consented. Mr. Woodcock, in the meantime, having laid on a bench in the shed, a piece of paper and a lead pencil. Immediately on the voice consenting, he observed the pencil to stand up and proceed to write. So soon as the pencil dropped, Mr. Woodcock uh, stepped over to examine the paper. The paper said, I ask you to write something. I ask you to write something decent. To this, the voice replied in an angry tone, I'll steal your lead pencil and immediately threw the pencil violently across the room. <laughs> this thing, thing just can't make up its mind. No, it's being a dick. <clears throat> but it's also weird that there was writing in the house and he convinced this pencil to write on its own, which again kind of eliminates Dinah from her ventriloquism. And now master of puppets. Yes, pastor of Muppets. Immediately after this, Mr. Woodcock went into the house and the voice was heard there. Following conversation took place. This is an excerpt from the conversation. Mr. Woodcock, what are your reasons for thus persecuting the Dag family? The answer, Mrs. Wallace sends me. Which Mrs. Wallace is That's weird. Yeah. Mr. Woodcock, will your engagement with Miss Wallace soon cease? I won't tell you. Shut up, you meddle in the black arts. I will break your neck. I am the devil, the son of the blessed. Mr. Woodcock, no you won't. Or am I afraid of you? Answer me civilly. I am not your enemy. The entity. The reply to this was so obscene that I was unfit to be publicized in this news article. Cool, cool. <laughs> I just wish I knew what it the said. Same. Absolutely. I wish. Mr. W, now, spirit, be a decent fellow and use better language, please. Answer, I will. You keep me here talking all the time and I'm tired. Go to Miss Wallace and make her confess her sins. She's crying and she's waiting for you, she and the other two. Mr. Woodcock, I will soon go. He says, no, you won't. You say you will, but you won't. And then the voice cried out, George, referring to Mr. Dag, I like you. I'll talk to you, but not to him. What the fuck? They also brought in multiple different uh, religious heads to attempt to exercise the house. One was uh, Presbyterian. Um, one was, let me see here. I don't know. Another den- denomination and, oh, two clear. The voice asked that two clergymen, Reverend Mr. Uh, Duclos and Reverend Mr. Nyler, one Presbyterian, uh, the other English church, uh, to exercise the house. And the voice promptly asked for a Baptist minister named Mr. Bell to come in and be part of the exorcism. After Mr. Bell had gone, and while the house was full of people, the voice cried out, You don't believe that I'm an angel because my voice is coarse. Um, Hold on, that's not where I wanted to go with that. Hold that thought. Please and thank you. I'm still digging through this, so bear with me here. So, this Mr. Bell, the Baptist, he came out and he basically blamed the Dag family for faking all of this. Said they tramped the, trampled the Bible underfoot and that they were the ones behind it. And our good cow-headed entity said that all this Mr. Bell is speaking in his exorcisms and his accusations are words and that this reverend needs to stick stick to photography instead of being a pastor. Nice. <laughs> Just called him called straight him on out. bullshit. Said, hey, how about you stop sucking? So after Mr. Bell had left... Because that promptly, promptly sent him on his way. He's like, I'm not dealing with this. This dude isn't even taking my exorcism seriously. So the entity kind of does a switcheroonie here. He says, you don't believe me that I'm an angel. He's so now from here, he goes from being the devil to, to an claiming angel. that he's an angel. Okay, okay. Well, no, not, not technically a far stretch. 
right? Because technically the devil was an angel, so it hey, could be a lot of uh, that's misdirection true. here. He's he's turning into a lot of love and light here. Well, this thing this thing has gone yeah. from I'll break your neck, trickster to demon to trickster to like breaking your neck. To, I will set your house on fire. Yeah, to I like you. I'm not gonna talk to this dude over here, but I like you. It seems like some other cases we've heard where it starts out hell and nefarious, and then they're like, you know what? Nah, I'm cool. I'm good with it. <laughs> so our entity here says, you don't believe that I'm an angel because my voice is coarse. I will show you that I don't lie, but I always tell the truth. When instantly the voice changed to one of exquisite sweetness. When asked afterwards why he did not change his voice before, he replied that he was afraid that if he did, they would think it was Dinah. He then sang the following hymns and directed afterwards that they be copied by Dinah and William Dagg. So he went on to sing religious hymns for everyone there. Okay. Weird, right? Uh, a little. Strange. It's a little weird. Strange. Keep that in mind. So. Moving forward from here i feel like this spirit has multiple personalities i feel like it's something shitty trying to feign itself as something good oh absolutely because it's like you don't just catch somebody's house on fire and then it's like break their neck it starts singing fucking religious songs yeah it's almost like the more attention it got it went it's it's focus went from being a menace to the dag family because because more people started showing up from from the area, more people came in. Right. Because George Dag was very well respected in the community and in the farming community, he was eventually elected mayor. After all this, it seemed like the more attention it got, then he started almost like like this thing wanted to perform for all the people there. Yeah. So they're like, oh, you know, here I can I can be an angel too. So then it starts. Well, it's almost like and, its abilities amplified too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's. Because it started with tedious little bullshit. Yeah. And the more attention that got put into it, the bigger the acts would like start to become. Yep. So, again, I mentioned that George was adamantly respected by the other farmers, so much so that he would be elected mayor. 17 witnesses outside of the family got together and signed a sworn witness testimony as to the ongoings on the Dag home. This is the actual witness testimony that was signed. To whom it may concern, we, the undersigned, solemnly declare that the following curious proceedings, which began on the 15th day of September 1889 and are still going on on the 17th day of November 1889 in the home of George Dagg, a farmer living seven miles from Shawville, uh, Clarendon Township, Pontiac County, province of Quebec, actually occurred as below described. First, the fires have broken out spontaneously through the house, as many as eight occurring in one day, six being in the house and two outside that the window curtains were burned whilst on the windows, this happening in broad daylight while the family and neighbors were in the house. Second, stone were thrown, stones were thrown by invisible hands through the windows, as many as eight panes of glass being broken. That article, or that article such as water jug, milk pitcher, watch basin, cream, wash basin, cream jug, butter tub, and other articles were thrown about the house by the same invisible agency. A jar of water being thrown in the face of Miss, Mrs. John Dagg, also in the face of Mrs. George Dagg, whilst they were busy about their household duties. Mrs. George Dagg being alone in the house at the time it was thrown in her face, that a large shelf was heard distinctly being played and was seen to be moved across the room and onto the floor. Immediately after, a rocking chair began rocking furiously that a washboard was sent flying down the stairs from the garret with no one being in the garret at the time, that when the child Dinah was present, a deep, gruff voice like that of an aged man could be hear heard at various times both in the house and outdoors, and when asked questions, answered so, distinct answered so as to be distinctly heard, showing that he is cognizant of all that has taken place, not only in Miss Dagg's family, but also families of the surrounding neighborhood. Which is weird. A little bit. That's strange, because you know Dinah wouldn't know that. Right, exactly. Uh, that he claims to be disincarnate, a disincarnated being who died 20 years ago, aged 80 years. That he gave his name to Mr. George Dagg and to Mr. Willie Dagg, forbidden them to tell it. 
that this intelligence is able to make himself visible to Dinah, little Mary, Eliza, and Johnny, who have seen him under different forms at different times. At one time, a tall, thin man with a cow's head, horns, and cloven foot. Another time is a big black dog. And finally, as a man with a beautiful face, long white hair, dressed in white, and wearing a crown with stars in it. Oh, so now he turned into Jesus. Weird, right? It's super fucking weird. And then Come it's, on. Then it's signed by a bunch of the other farmers in town that they swear by what they have seen. Another news article. And you know here. what's weird is like when he when he because bro, you I, had a I, demon I, head. Yeah, I didn't catch it the first time. The first time you you told me that he looked like Baphomet. Did you say goat head or cow head the first time? Cow's head. Okay, so I didn't catch that part. I just jumped the gun, but. It it's almost like he sucks at mimicking things in a de- in a degree because it's like a it's like yeah. a bullshit it's form like, of it's Baphomet. Like the wish the wish the wish brand. Yeah, yeah. And then he t- tries turning into Jesus, but he did it with like a a, a little bit of different twist to it. I yes. don't know. Just it kind of makes him makes him feel like a buster. Yeah. <sighs> so that got his ass whipped. Yeah, he started out as as a negative entity and tried to convince everybody he was a positive entity, which is well seems to be the going rate nowadays. And at that point, at that point in the conversation, you can't trust anything that that thing says. No, oh. because it changes. It's nor nor MO. should you trust anything that any of the other ones say. <laughs> well, right, but <laughs> it's it's just changed its mo like forty different times already. Yes, you know, and then not, not to mention, let's not rule, forget that he caught the house on fire. Yeah, and threatened to break <laughs> people's necks. It's like, yo, and I'm not, I'm not saying hey, you're crossing a line there, yeah, big dog. And I'm not saying angels aren't capable of that because angels did some pretty fucked up shit. Well, yeah, but like, either way, I'm still pick not. A side. Yeah, I'm not gonna like you if you're like, hey, I'm gonna break your neck. Yeah. So. On Monday, and, then, and then God knows what else was actually said that they were left out there. Yeah. I need to go back here and see when this was signed. The 17th day of November. As soon as they signed this on Monday, the 18th is the final encounter with our friend here. This is a newspaper article, a newspaper article that was taken on Monday morning. The two dag children and Dinah, who had gone to draw well water, returned to the house in haste and said with great excitement that they had seen a beautiful old man dressed in shining garments who had addressed endearing words to the little ones and then bidding them goodbye. He had mounted into the air, leaving behind him what the children described as a line of flames and then so vanished. Is it all hallucination? If it is attested by scores of people in their senses, it is the strongest hallucination in history. So he essentially wow. flew off yeah. as a Jesus-shaped UFO. <laughs> With fire coming out from underneath him. Yeah, that's what they said. Another one it's said... Like his, it's like he had a jetpack on. Yep. He had bid them goodbye flying into the air before leaving a line of fire in the sky from which he had flew. He had taken on the appearance of a man with a beautiful face and a white robe with bright white hair wearing a crown of stars. Bro. I am fucking speechless. It's awesome, isn't it? It is crazy. It gets a little stranger. Okay. Right? So this this was the last time they seen him? Yes, he's gone now. All right. Let me dig through interesting, here interesting. and find what I need to find. I, I'm just trying to picture you and me out in the, in the cemetery and then just fucking weirdo. It's just like, hey, I'll see you guys later. And he just flies away with fire coming out from underneath him. Yeah. So. All right. It gets weirder. Dinah essentially disappears from all historical records at this point. What the fuck? <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> That's a hard left turn. Although the rest of the Jet Dag children do not. Thomas Dag, the youngest of the Dag children, 
claimed that he had been at his uncle's house when a man he didn't recognize came with a note signed by their father to pick Dinah up to take her home. Oh, no. Dinah left with the stranger never to be seen again. A second newspaper also claimed that the paranormal mishaps began when a traveler stopped by the Dag home earlier and asked to take Dinah away. The family refused and said, no, she's our daughter now. And as that person left, that's when the shit started going down. I don't like this now. No, it got real weird real fast. It got There's, dark as fuck. There is another uh, source here that said that the paranormal activity was so bad that the family gave Dinah up to a local orphanage. But there's just as much proof there as there is to Thomas Dagg saying that Somebody someone took came her. to the house and got her. So, but Dinah was their actual daughter though, no, right? she was adopted. Oh. Yeah, she was the one that came from the UK. So, yeah, you do, oh shit. Because I, I thought it was the actual daughter, which made it, I mean, I, if it was my daughter, I don't, I don't give a fuck who's trying to bring smoke. I'm not giving up my daughter. Yeah. But with an adopted child, I could 100% see people going, all right, take her out of here. Oh, they were Go adamant. On. They're like, hey, she is our daughter. She's staying with us. And after Well, they, that's how an adopted parent should be. Yep. And after that, that's when the shit happened. But then Dinah disappeared. Another, going to end this on a dark note here, which is terrible, but it's also strange that... The Dag's four-year-old daughter, Eliza, died mysteriously during the time of the poltergeist activity. The grave of Eliza Dag, daughter of George and Susan Dag, she passed away in a mysterious accident during the time of the poltergeist on the family farm. Local lore is that she was playing near a cauldron of soap when her clothes caught on fire and she burned to death. Damn. You have a a paranormal entity starting fires and the little girl dies in a mysterious fire. Yeah. And it's, there's a picture of her headstone. Gosh. And there's, there's like, so there's that, there's that whole story, but then there's a part of you that also wants to consider maybe one of the dags is a fucking psychopath. Yeah. Pulling this all. To cover up all murdering two little girls. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. You, you just went. Kyle just took the true crime route. I, I'm surprised Kyle's my brain went there. But <laughs> think about it. Just think about it for a minute. Because then they said the, the dad was well-respected. Ends up becoming the mayor. but And then you have seven with 17 or so people who come forth like yeah i'll definitely sign this because you definitely didn't kill these little girls and, <laughs> you're definitely cool don't kill me yeah too. Yeah, yeah yeah so I, I don't know i'm not saying that is the case uh either way regardless i don't like hearing misfortune in the fates of two little girls that's fucking terrifying and sad and it's bizarre that all of these newspaper articles articles at the time left that out they talk about eliza being there but they did not talk about eliza dying is weird. So it's almost like everybody is in on a section of the story that doesn't get talked about. Yeah, some odd sort of cover up. And then somebody, an uncle, oh, oh, unk might have fucked up by talking about uh, what's her face, Dinah. Oh yeah, going missing. Yeah, because da- none of the articles talked about that shit either, did they? No, that was about the fucking weirdo showing up. That was posted up. well after when when Uncle was uh, old. Yeah, because what if what if Unc felt bad about it? Yep, this is you the, know this because is, you know you know how parents take the fucking children. Yep. When you're a parent, children are are everything. And I know I know a lot of people. This is no disrespect to all the homies out there, but a lot of people are way more protective over baby girls than the boy. You know what I mean? Like there's this way strong connection there because they, you know, we're not going to get into that, but 
uh, I could see I could see Unk like having that special connection with with Dinah, you know, uh, loving Dinah and what have you, and kind of feeling guilty about it later on in life. Like, no, there were some shenanigans that happened, and I I need to get this off my chest. Yeah, this um, this is the actual quote and news article from the youngest Dag child, Thomas. To Thomas Dag, son of George Dag, the ghost is no joke but an unsolved mystery. At his home in Portage de Fort, the serious and religious man told of the ghost as his parents related the happenings to him. He claimed that a showman came to his father and asked for Dinah, the adopted girl. The father wouldn't let him have her, and then the ghost began its work. It never appeared unless Dinah was there, and many of the villagers, including Miss Harris, Mr. Harris claimed it was her voice that spoke at the seances. Thomas Dagg told of Dinah going to her uncle Willie Dagg's at Portage de Fort and a man coming to the door with a note signed by his dad, George, asking that Dinah be sent home. The man left with Dinah and she was never heard from again, nor was the ghost, said Mr. Dagg. When asked if he believed in ghosts, Thomas Dagg gave an emphatic no. This this is uh, I used a bunch of different sources here. I'll just go ahead and shout them out. Uh, TheOttawaCitizen.com, uh, Linda Sescapina at WordPress, um, Arlene Stafford Wilson at WordPress. They pulled a lot of these news articles out, which is uh, basically the only information we have left on it. Here is a man, Charlie Harris. I'm assuming it's the Mr. Harris that assumed. The dino was making the voices of the seances. He got hit in the head with the potato that was thrown by the ghost. <laughs> Serves you right for doubting. Charlie Harris of Rural Route 2, Shawville, was hit in the head by a potato when it was when he peeked into the room where the voice of the ghost had seemed to be coming from way back in 1889. That is fucking hilarious. Oh, he was like, what in there? And boom. <laughs> um... The Dag House still stands today, and people have paranormally investigated it, and people say that the weirdness is still kind of going on, because uh, the owners now have been reported to hear like mysterious scratching and walking around in the attic, nothing, nothing that correlates exactly with what the entity was doing, but still some weird shit going on. Interesting. So yeah, that's it for the dag poltergeist. It's when I, when I first started and started looking into it, I'm like, what in the book? And then when he turned into a Jesus UFO and just flew off (laughs) through the sky after he was a neck breaking fucking devil. I, I mean, he literally said, I am the devil. Then he's like, nah, I am an angel. I he's got he needs to get his nah, shit straight. I'm Jesus. Uh, yeah, and I'm also seconding as a UFO. See ya. <laughs> Folding them arms look like wings. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I heard that and I was like, man, that is a wild ride. That is a, awesome. I have another one that's pretty interesting that I got to sit down and write. That's kind of in the same vein, but it's a lot more recent. Uh, it's strange. It's just Good. a strange world out here. Well, we're all here for it. Again, keep in mind that this entire story is 130 plus years old. So. It was good. All you can really get is these newspaper articles. Newspaper articles, which probably took some embellishment to try to get people to read their newspaper. And kind of word of mouth, passed down information. So, let us know, Hollow Cult. What do you think of the Dag Poltergeist, the Dag Demon? What, what, what say you? And on that note, have a wonderful week. Come kick it with us Wednesday on the night shift on YouTube, 8 p.m. Central. And check us out at all our socials. Until then, stay safe, stay weird. And if an entity claiming to be the devil tries to break your neck just woodcock it and tell it you ain't playing that game